Welcome to the Anchored Voice. This is a podcast helping men to anchor life. I'm your host, Dr. Phil Two. Welcome to the program. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dr. Phil Two, and I'm so glad you joined in with this podcast. Listen, I am uploading a message I spoke on the other day about fatherhood. This is a perspective I think is valuable for everybody. So check this out. We're going to address some daddy issues right up in here. So enjoy this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Anchored Voice, helping men to anchor life. Let me go to the scripture today, today, as we celebrate fatherhood as we celebrate um what the bible says about fathers now there is a scripture that i just want to share with you uh and these the scripture it looks like it conflicts itself so if we can go to deuteronomy 5 verse 9 deuteronomy 5 verse 9 The Bible says, you should not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation. Generations of those who hate me. Mm. But then this, this text here in Ezekiel, it then says something a little different. Check this out. What do you mean? When you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Then what the Bible says is as long as I live, as I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The souls of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who shall, who sins shall die. Now these scriptures may seem like they are two different things. God is holding the next generation to the generation accountable. And then it says the soul who sins, who dies. It, it just means that yes, uh, as we are parenting, as we are leading our youth, things do pass down from generation to generation. But understand this, that God holds each individual accountable. And so I call this sermon Daddy Issues, because the reality is we all have daddy issues. So let's talk about this for a minute and let's pray before we go into this word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to honor our fathers. But now I pray for your wisdom as we address something so critical in our society so critical in our church. I pray that you will be with every word that I say. Let it be a conviction from your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray, and into your hands I commit my spirit. Amen. Amen. These uh, two scriptures have um, an identifying concept to it. It's saying that, listen, we all have daddy issues. Let me just start with that. Everybody has daddy issues. Now, everybody kind of identifies with it differently. Whether your father was in the home or whether your father was not in the home, whether he was in the home but really not present in your life. 
whether he was in your home and present in your life. Everybody has daddy issues. Come on, put that in the chat. Every one of us has daddy issues. Come on, be if, if you can admit it, just put 100%. If you can admit that you're dealing with some kind of daddy issue, come on, put it in the chat. Because everybody has daddy issues. Everybody. Everybody takes something, whether it was good or bad, indifferent. We take something from our fathers and we carry it. And guess what? Here's the thing. We carry our daddy issues into relationships where it doesn't need to be. We carry daddy issues into future relationships. So we take the past and we put it in the future. We put it in the present because why? We have not resolved daddy issues. If we haven't resolved daddy issues, guess what? We carry that thing like a badge of honor. Some of you, some of you are still mad at your father and your father ain't even living. Some of you are just mad, just bitter at what your father did or did not do. And, and, and you're taking this anger, you're taking this problem, and you're, you're carrying this into your future. You're carrying this into relationships. And now you're blaming people for what your daddy did. You're blaming people in your life for what your daddy did. And what the scripture says is that the soul who sins is the soul who dies, meaning you have to take accountability for your own actions, meaning you have to be the cause that breaks the chain of whatever you got from your father. Yes, sins do pass down from generation to generation. If you look at your sins and the things that you struggle with in life, you realize that your father struggled with it. And, and maybe you don't struggle in the same way, but you struggle with something that is identifiable to your father. Why is this? Because the fathers are under attack. So we're going to show three ways in which fathers are under attack. Why do we have daddy issues? Because there are three ways that the devil has been attacking the father. First, and, and you can click this in the, uh, the, the banners there. First, there is foundation. There is foundation. The, the foundation has been attacked. All right. I need you to understand this, that the devil is very strategic on how he is attacking the humanity. Mm? Come on. I need some amens in here. He is attacking foundation. Not only is he attacking, uh, attacking foundation, he's attacking fundamentals. He's attacking foundation and he's attacking your fundamentals. Fatherhood fundamentals. Yes, he is. The devil is on the prowl. He is on the attack. The last thing he's attacking is the father's faith. Wow. Woo. Listen. We, we, we're going to go deep into this and I'm going to have some things to back me up in this. OK, I've got people to back me up in this. OK, um, so let's talk about foundation. Let's talk about foundation for a minute. The devil for the beginning of, from the beginning of time has been attacking the father's foundation in the home. Think about it. Psalm 1113 uh, says. If the foundations are destroyed, what can right, the righteous do? <laughs> Come on, the Bible says it very clearly right there. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So first we start in the kingdom of heaven. 
where is the first attack on fatherhood? The heavenly father. The heavenly father gets the first attack. The first attack goes to God the father. What did the devil say? Or Lucifer at that time, his own creation. He says, I will be like the most high. I will be like the most high. And then he starts talking to the angels and he starts talking to and conspiring to the angels and saying, okay, this is what, uh, you know, this father is, is not right. Now we're talking about a perfect father. We're talking about a father who did no wrong. We're talking about a father who had a perfect home, who had the perfect church, who had the perfect environment. We're talking about holy beings, angels, who still one third of them and even one half of them sympathize with Lucifer, one third of them left a perfect home. So I know you're looking at your father like he needs to be flawless. He needs to be right. He needs to be perfect. But hold on. We had a perfect father. We have a perfect father who had done nothing wrong, yet his children still felt that there was something wrong with his leadership. There was still something wrong with who he was. So a third of the children of heaven leave and come to earth. But God has another father he has created. It's his creation in his image. And this would represent the father of many nations, the father of all humanity. But now the devil, he realizes, okay, if I'm going to have dominion on this earth, I've got to attack the foundation of the earth. Now, he used a serpent, a, a most cunning creature in the garden, but he did not go and attack the, the uh, animal kingdom. No, he had to go to the foundation, the one who had dominion over the animals, the one who had dominion over the earth. In order for the devil to conquer, he had to first go to the foundation. So let's go to the scripture, Genesis 3, verse 1. And I, you know I like to refer right back to Genesis because every problem that we're dealing with today goes all the way back to the tree, all the way back. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat? of every tree of the garden. So first, now he's questioning God's word. So that's the first attack. It's an attack on God the Father to the earthly father. But guess who he's using to get to the earthly father? He's using his wife. That's right. He's using the finest woman in the garden to go trip up the foundation because them together, working together is a foundation. The mother and the father is the foundation of the earthly home, that garden of Eden. They are the foundation. And so he has to go to one and then go to the other. And so he questions God first. So we understand God has said, but now he's asking the question, has God said, what is society doing? Oh, is the Bible really saying that? Or does the Bible really say that? Every time there's something new that the world wants to do, that is not in accordance with God's word. What does the world do? They question God's word. You have to attack God's word in order to get your agenda across. We know what month this is. You, in order to celebrate this month, you have to then go against God's word. You have to. Now, in, in, in order of recognizing Juneteenth and recognizing fatherhood, uh, uh, why is uh, Father's Day probably the least celebrated 
a holiday of the year? Why is uh, not too many people making a big fuss over fathers? It is because it is a constant attack on the foundation. Even when we celebrate uh, motherhood, the father gets the least of the celebration. But when things go wrong, the fathers get the most of the blame. Can I be real here today? When things go wrong in the home, the father gets the most blame, but gets the least celebration when it comes to parenthood. Yes, mothers, we do celebrate the fact that nine months he carried a child. But understand this, we have to elevate the role of the father in the home. We have to elevate the foundation. You cannot build a good foundation if it's not equal, if it is if it is imbalanced, if one side is leaning like the Tower of Pisa. Um, actually, I'm even holding this computer right now because my stand is leaning like the Tower of Pisa. When your relationship is leaning and there's no equality and there is uh, nothing to keep it stable, then the foundation has been attacked. In order for an engineer to build buildings like you see in the back backdrop, they have to have an equal foundation. But in order for the devil to destroy the family, he has to go to the foundation and destroy it. So what does he say in verse six, Genesis verse three and six. So when the women saw that the tree was good for food, uh, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. OK, so that was the first that was the first problem. OK, now one of the family eats of the tree. But guess what? She gave it to who? Her husband, because guess what? The enemy knows the husband's going to listen. The enemy knows that, hey, he's going to side with his wife. He's going to take up for his wife. He's attacked the foundation. Now they both are equally in the wrong. And that begins the problem ever since. We are dealing with a generational curse of this. Why do we know this? Because in order for the devil to attack the family, that's the first thing he attacked in the garden. He attacked God's word. He attacked God's institution of marriage. What has the devil been doing? He has been attacking the institution of marriage. And we're going to get into that. He's been attacking. Yes, he's been attacking the Sabbath, the day of rest, where he has put more busy things, more distractions, more ways for us to get busy, more ways for us not to rest than to rest. He has attacked the Sabbath institution. Absolutely. Because even though we go to church on Sabbath, there are a lot of churches that have made Sabbath a burden. There are a lot of families that have made Sabbath more of a burden than a day of rest and celebration of God's word. We have found more ways to have meetings on the Sabbath, more ways to do more work that has nothing to do with the growth of the church on Sabbath. So, yes, the Sabbath has been attacked. Family has been attacked. God's word has been attacked. This has been done all the way from the beginning of creation. Now, get this stat here. The foundation, the foundation has been attacked. Let's go to America. There are 113 million men in America over the age of 15. OK, over the age of 15. So even though in the Bible, men, you know, manhood starts at 12. 
All right. So when Jesus went to the temple with his family, he was 12 years old. He was also considered a man. But in America, these stats will say over the age of 15, uh, there are 113 million men in America. Okay. But get this an estimated 2.47 million children uh, live absent from their biological father. So guess what? If the devil, is going to create chaos in society. He has to attack the father. And I know, get this, we, we blame a lot of fathers because guess what? A lot of fathers have not stepped up. A lot of fathers have fallen into this trap. A lot of fathers have fallen into the trap and the snare that the devil has set. Yes, many fathers will be held accountable in hellfire for what they have done. A lot of fathers will. But let's also be understanding of the strategy. And we're going to then talk about how do we overcome what has been attacked? What, what can we do to come together to change this status? But just understand that 2.24.7 million children live absent from their biological father. Now I'll be upfront and I'll be straight with you that I'm also experiencing a lot of these stats. Okay. So, I'm coming from a personal point and I want to make sure that we understand this as we go forward and as we keep it 100%, as we keep it real in our society. Today, get this, nearly four out of 10 first marriages end in divorce. 60% of divorcing couples have children and over 1 million children each year experience divorce uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Experience divorce of their parents. If the devil is going to take out the foundation, he has to go to the very first institution that God has created. He has to attack it. He has to split the family. He has to bring them apart. That is why when a couple has two visions, you create division. I got that from Fred Hammond. I didn't make that up. Uh, um, but when you have a family, get this husband and wife, but they have two visions of the home, you create division. It is important. That's why the Bible very strongly talks about equally yoked. Now, many of you can go to whether they're Christian or not Christian. Get this. If your partner is not sharing values with you, you are unequally yoked. If you do not share the same uh, religious values, if you do not share the same life goals, you are unequally yoked. If educationally, you're not striving for the same thing. I'm not saying that you have to have the same level of education, but you have to be striving for the same level of education. You have to be striving for the same level of success. You have to really plan now. Uh, and if you're with that partner, that's not on your level. That's not thinking on your level. And you are starting to outgrow your partner. You're going to have problems. So it is important that the family be intentional on becoming one. We have so many ways where we have divided the family. We have so many ways where we are not blended, but we are unblended. Why? Because the devil attacks us in our unity.
He attacks us in where we are to be one. The Bible says the father, the husband will leave his father and mother and join his wife and become one. But we have so many relationships, so many families where we are so divided, it is impossible to become one. So the devil has to attack the institution of marriage. And that is why 60% uh, of marriages end in divorce. And, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, four out of 10 marriages end in divorce, but 60% of the divorcing couples have children. So the devil is like, oh man, I'm going to wait till they have that first kid. Because they, they know it's brewing before you, you already know your marriage is in problems before the first kid. Let's be honest. Before the first kid comes, you know there's going to be problems. And some of families, they try to resolve their problems by having kids. So that is why you have those statistics that are high. Okay, we can resolve our joy in the home, our unity in the home, if we have children. Wrong. If you are unequally yoked with your partner and you have kids, you have created a worse dynamic. And at the end of the day, you still love your kids. You still love the fact that you're raising kids, but you know that there is greater problems because you have not resolved your relationship. And I'm not saying that relationships that are rocky at first cannot have success. You can have success if you decide to become intentional. If families decide to become intentional, then things can happen. But let's go back to this estimated. Um, let's go to the 26 percent. 20 percent of absentee fathers live in a different state from their children. Y'all get this? So now get this, not in, even in the same state. Now you have fathers living in different states. So the father does not have access to the children is as much as possible. When things go wrong at the school, when things go wrong inside, it will take the father more time to get there. So the further divide that the, uh, uh, the, the father can be from the family will cause a little bit more uh, disruption. Let's go to this next step. About 40% of the children who live in absentee father households haven't seen their father in at least a year, while 50% who don't live with their dads have never entered a foot in their father's house. Now the problem gets deeper. The devil is on the attack. He is trying to break up the foundation. He is trying to break up the leadership. Any time you want to attack a business, any time you want to attack something very great, you have to go to the top. You, you're not just going to go to the middle. You're not just going to go to the body. Yes, the devil does attack children. But first, he has to get to the father. Because guess what? Our children are picking up habits from their parents. Why does, you know, we, we look at this text here. Train up a child in which they should go. Train up a child in which they should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. But can we twist it around a little bit? Suppose that the training that you receive wasn't that good. Suppose the example that you grew up with wasn't that great. Hmm. Maybe you then have to reevaluate who you are and realize 
you have not departed from those bad habits. Maybe you have to look back and realize you have not departed from the things that have held you back. Maybe you're wondering, why am I not achieving success? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Because you haven't looked back yet. You haven't resolved the past yet. You haven't resolved where things went wrong back. The Bible says that train up a child. Yes, we do our best as parents to train our children well, but we also relay bad habits to them. We also have to be accountable that we have not trained them. And, and men have to be accountable that maybe we haven't trained our sons how to be men. Maybe we have not done our best to train them in the right way. Maybe we have not done the best for our daughters to choose the right men. Maybe we have failed in training them up. So now they choose this loser that should not be in their life. And we want to get mad at the child, but we don't want to take accountability for how we have raised them up. We have got to look back and say, maybe I didn't do my best. Now, a lot of us are doing the best that we can. But let's go back to this. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's a question. If the foundations are destroyed. So what happens if the foundations are destroyed? What's impacted? A child's education, a child's finance, faith and experience of abuse and emotional trauma. Many children living in a absentee father home have dealt with several of these things, maybe not all at once, and maybe not one of these, but some of these, okay? And, and so children have, have been deeply impacted by not having the father around to make an impact, to train them in which way to go. Think about education. And we're going to talk about the stats of education in just a while, in just a minute, because that goes into our fundamentals, because if the devil can attack the foundation of the home, he attacks the education of the home. He attacks the finance of the home. Then the, the goals that our children should have in, in regards to finance, in regards to wealth, in regards to faith in God are being deeply impacted because of what they're seeing happen in their home. There are 2.7 million children with parents in prison or jail. But get this next, this last stat. 92% of parents in prison are fathers. So get this. They're not building more schools to train our fathers. They're not building more institutions to give them uh, a trade or give them more education. Maybe a father, maybe a man, he's not so much like school type. There are, and that's real. There are some people who aren't uh, a school type, but they work well with their hands. They work well with their mind, but they don't do well in a classroom setting. But guess what? Our communities are not being creative on how we're educating our men. No, no, no. We're building institutions to hold them. Now, there are some states that have done better and said, listen, we've got to lower how long they remain in prison for these low type of crimes. And California has done that. And, and some uh, sentences have been reduced because there have been people that have been intentional in the law. I sat in with the um, 
general uh, attorney, attorney general of Rhode Island. And he is making waves to change some things. But get this, if 92% of our fathers are in prison, that means they're not in the home. That means the example that they're raising the children is, hey, prison, that's the goal. Not your doctorate, not your PhD, not, not anything else. Because guess what? The devil has to attack what? The fundamentals of the home the fundamentals of the home. And if the fundamentals are attacked, then everything else uh, is a part of the foundation that is attacked. So get this, everybody. We talk about education, right? Let, let, let's talk about this for a second. And I'll, and I'll give some more stats in a minute. But if a black man goes for his doctorate, masters, and then he shows it, and then he puts it out there, why are we so quick to tear them down? Why are we so quick to tear men down when they have their doctorate and they put it out there, when they have their masses and they put it out there? Shouldn't that be something that's celebrated? You know what's celebrated in certain neighborhoods? Going to prison, being locked up, doing crime. Oh man, he's gangster. And when we say gangster, it, it means it's it's a highly elevate, elevated position in our community. Oh man, that person is gangster. And we celebrate gangster more than we celebrate education. When we when we look at people and say, oh yeah, they think they're they're better than everybody else because they're educated. What are we doing psychologically to the man? We are tearing them down. We are not, we, we've got young men walking in society with their pants down, with, with, with their head down, and with their whole goals down. They're dropping out of school at rapid rates, yet when somebody does get their education, when somebody does elevate in their career, we find more ways to hate than to celebrate. We've got to change the norm and celebrating education rather than putting down people with education. And we've got to celebrate the norm from celebrating what's gangster to celebrating what is educated. I don't know. Maybe I'm not getting any witnesses. Maybe I'm talking to myself. Maybe I'm not preaching the truth here. Maybe it's just my opinion. But, but understand this. We have to change the language in our own community. We have to change the mindset in our own community. Start celebrating the man that starts investing the right way. Start celebrating the man that starts building his portfolio the right way. Start celebrating the man that has goals and dreams and ambitions. Continue to support the fathers who are trying to do well because we have enough that aren't doing well, but we need those who are doing well to do exceptionally well. Why? Because get this. 5.7% of all black children, 31.8% of all Hispanic children, and 20.9% of all white children are living in single parent homes. That means when somebody is stepping out of the norm and doing the exceptional and doing above what's expected, we've got to celebrate that. Get this, one out of every six children is a stepchild. Come on now. If the devil 
is going to break up the family and cause chaos in society. He must attack the father. He must attack the foundation. He must attack the fundamentals. He must create more stepchildren in this society. And yes, you know, uh, we're doing the best with what we can. But guess what? As many Christians will divorce as non-Christians. So the Christians that, that like to talk down to non-Christians, guess what? We got problems. So before you start talking about everybody else's problems, before you start calling this worldly, we, we've got to resolve the issues in our own homes. We've got to resolve the issues in our own church. Before we start talking about Sabbath keeping, listen, there's more to the law than just the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath should be a celebration of keeping the other nine commandments. But we are facing problems. We have 93% of people incarcerated and 85% of them have no father figure. So our young men that are in prison have no father figure. They had no example. They had no understanding of what to go to. Get this. This is what this stat said. Christian universities are becoming convents. The typical Christian college in the U.S. enrolls two women for every one man. We've got to change the stats. That means find some dropouts. Find some young men who are out of education and find ways to educate them. I don't care if it's helping them become an entrepreneur. I don't care if it's helping them become a trade, learn a trade. Find these dropouts. If you want to make an impact in education today, find these dropouts. Get them back into school. Find where they are in the streets. Find out their goals. Find out their dreams. Find out their aspirations. Don't just talk about them. Don't just talk about the problem. Come on, we've got enough resources to fix the problem. More than 90% of American men believe in God. So get this. This, this is where the devil is attacking our foundation, our fundamentals, but the devil is also attacking our faith. Huh? You get this? Come on now. More than 90% of American men believe in God. Five out of six call themselves Christians, but only two out of six attend church on a given weekend. Listen, I'll be honest with you. It's hard enough getting the men that claim to be Christians to go to church. It's hard. It's hard to get more men involved in the church. It is hard. You, you know what celebrated more? Women's ministry. Women's ministry thrive more than men's ministry. Most churches do not have a thriving men's ministry. And we're not addressing issues with men. We tear them down. We talk about them. And what man in the church gets torn down the most? The head, the leadership. The people that tear down their pastors are also tearing down manhood, are also tearing down father. Now, I get it. There are enough of us pastors that mess up. There are enough of us pastors that totally, totally mess up. And I have other words for it. But there are totally enough of us that need to be held accountable. Absolutely enough of us. But get this in order for the devil to hurt the church, he must tear down the leader of the church. He must tear down the men of the church. The church cannot just be all women. It cannot be a church that is led by just women. Now, I agree women should be ordained. Women should become pastors. I agree they should have equal share in leadership. But we should also lift up the man in church. 
We have to bring about a new change. Ways we talk about ourselves, ways we, instead of talking, we need to be helping. He is attacking our faith through men. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, there, there's enough. There's enough foolishness going on in the church to talk about. But how are we addressing it? How are we resolving it? How are we improving our faith than being attacked? Get this. Get this stat. When a mother comes to Christ, her family will join her at the church only 17% of the time. Mm. So I'm glad, women, you're, I'm glad you're in church. And I'm glad many of you are feeling the call to ministry. I really am. But look at this sad statistic. 70% of the time, the children will follow the mother. But when a father comes to Christ, his family joins him 93% of the time. We have a struggle. And guess what? I know people right now, fathers right now, who refuse to go to church. I, and, and, and whether it's been their uh, example that they found, whether it's trauma they've had, I have seen men who refuse to go to church. And because they refuse to go to church, their wives refuse to go to church. Their children will not be in Sabbath school. So you wonder where the Sabbath school attendees are? Figure out where their father is. You want to know where the men of the church are? Find out where their father is. Change the fact. Get this. There's a father factor in nearly all societal issues faced in America today. Solution, begin to raise more involved, responsible, and committed fathers. You want to see this improve? You've got to change the tide. Go back to education here. 71,000 African-American men with, are with doctoral degrees. And that's just a little bit more. Women have 65,000 African-American women with doctoral degrees. But, you know, it doesn't matter because when we get it, we keep tearing each other down. We tear each other down in the faith. We keep tearing each other down in society. We keep tearing each other down. And when we're trying to rise up, we are like crabs in a barrel pulling each other down. You want to change the tide in society. You want to change the tide in, in America. You want to change the tide in your church. Guess what? Get to the foundation of the family. Get to the fundamentals of the family. Get to the faith of the family. The family, the church can grow. But until you get men, and I know in certain cultures for sure, if you get the man of the house, you get the family. You start going after the man of the house. You start praying over the man of the house. You start praying and, and sacrificing and witnessing to the man of the house. Guess what? You get the wife, you get the children. So you want to know a ministry to begin when you go back in? Start targeting men. You want your church to grow? Start targeting the men. The men that are already in the church get burned out already. Because guess what? We're depending on them. And then we're depending on the women that are committed to the church. And some women that are committed to the church are there because they're running away from their man. Come on, let's just be real. In order to build the church home, in order to build society, we have to start praying over men in our society. We have to pray over abuse. Yes, there's enough uh, men who are abusive emotionally, physically, and even spiritually. But if we're going to change that, 
We got to start praying over that. We've got to start addressing that. And it starts with the women being the foundation for the men. It starts with being intentional for your man. And it starts tomorrow. It don't start later. It starts tomorrow. What are you going to do to celebrate men? What are you going to do? And please, churches, stop planning banquets on Father's Day. Stop planning your events on Father's Day. Stop planning things that fathers don't do on Father's Day. Bring them fishing. Bring them to a game. Bring, let them watch the game. Do something that involves things that they do and love to do. But stop planning banquets in the church and having the fathers come sit there. They don't want to be there in a banquet. When we reopen, start doing things that are meaningful. Churches, go rent a boat. Bring all the men on the boat. Bring the children. Bring the family. But do things that men love to do. I love to go fishing. Go get your man a fishing pole. Go get your man something that's going to improve his intellect and also prove his ability to enjoy his life. Make fatherhood special. You want to change that? Get this, mothers. You really want to change fatherhood in the home? That next shower that comes around, do something that celebrates your, your husband. Do something that celebrates the father, even if he's not there. Even if he chooses not to be there, even if he's locked up, do something that's going to celebrate the father. Do something in your showers that celebrate the father. Stop making it all about mothers. Stop making it all about the women. Give that husband a king's chair when he sit next to his queen. Give him something that's going to show that he's just as much of the foundation in the home as anybody else. We want to start changing the tide. Do it in the things that we do already because we're suffering. We're struggling. We all got daddy issues. And you mad at your husband because of what your father did. You're taking it out on your husband because of what your father did. And husbands, you're taking it out on your wife because of what your father did. Listen, you want to resolve something in your life? Resolve your daddy issues. Can I be real? Most of the problems people are angry about is something related to their daddy. Your daddy wasn't there. I get it. Your daddy did not do things right. He ran away. He ran away from his responsibility. Yes, he was attacked. He was attacked in the worst way. And yes, he must suffer for his sin. Remember, the Bible says, all souls are mine, says the Lord. The father who sins is accountable. So does the child who sins. Don't make your sin be connected to your father and blame it because you're going to die for your own sin. Whether it's your father's fault or not, you got to change and break the chains. You've got to do things that's going to be different. You've got to do things that's going to change the tide. Men, you know the struggles you have is related to your father. You know, maybe to your grandfather, if you look back in history and you ask some questions, you know why you're struggling with lust. You know why you're struggling with pornography. You know why you're struggling with infidelity. You do know why you're struggling because you can go back to your father, your grandfather. You can even go back to your uncles and ask some questions and you find some stories and you want to resolve that. You can. Everyone needs a new start. 
Everyone needs a new beginning in their chapter in their life. You've got to choose different today. You've got to choose that you're not going to blame your father for where you are today. You're not going to blame your father for the issues you have today. The issues you have, you chose to have it. Just because it passed down to your generation didn't mean you had to keep it. Just because it was given to you didn't mean you had to receive it. Just because it was falling into your lap didn't mean you had to keep it right there. You've got to be intentional on changing the issues from your father and stop being bitter. Stop being upset because of your father. We understand the devil attacked the foundation. We understand the devil attacked the core of who you are. But this is the time where you change some things. Go see somebody. Go see a therapist about it. Go see somebody. Go talk to somebody about it. A lot of us aren't even trying to resolve it. We are more comfortable in being bitter and upset than resolving the daddy issues that we have. Maybe our father, maybe our father was Cliff Huxtable because our father wasn't so lovey-dovey. I'll be honest with you. I, I learned how to hug just because I chose to. My father wasn't a great hugger, all right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? My father, even to the day he died, we had a strained hug, like, okay, father, okay, pops. You know, it just, it just, his system was different than my system. His father's system was different than my system. I chose to have a new system for my kids. I chose to have a new system for how I raised my kids. My father did the best he could. My father loved me the best he could. I was always under my father's shoulder. My father once brought me uh, with him everywhere I, he went, whether it was to church, whether it was to the mechanic. One day he had me in the, in the car and, and let me sleep in the car. When I woke up, I was on the lift in the mechanic. Uh, in the shop and I look down and the car's up and I'm in the car like what father would do that <laughs> and we laughed about that it's in the video uh, you can go to the same YouTube page and look at that interview I talked to him about that but guess what my father was always there my father always provided my father never left us nor forsook us so understand this you may not have everything the way you wish to be so guess what you be the change and as good as your father was, you know, there was some flaws. You know, there were some things that did not go right. But today we got the opportunity to change. Listen, it's all with you. It's all with you how you want to get your house in order. <laughs> it's all with you how you want to allow faith to happen in your life. Let's pray over men in our society. Let's pray over men in our church. We got work to do, everybody. Everybody together has work to do. We got to resolve some things, and it starts with you today. Thank you for listening to The Anchored Voice. For the video edition of this, subscribe to our YouTube channel, McGuire ENTV. For audio, listen on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. Until next time, stay anchored.